Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm the Bill Arnold part of that short sentence, and I'm very uh, much looking forward to today. We're going to have Guy Talk for this hour and much of the next hour. But to get things started, we're uh, very focused right now on One Child, which is an opportunity that we have been blessed to be a part of. In studio with me is Paul Perot. He is the producer of The Morning Show with Carmen and Rosie B., who's my producer. And we uh, want to give you the most information we can and get you as excited as possible to consider being a child champion. Paul, you went to Honduras. Oh, I did. Hey, well, this is still guy talk. I'm a guy. That's true. <laughs> I, however, hey, am Paul. not. Oh, well, hey, Paul, how about, <laughs> yeah. how about that game last weekend? Oh, you know? the game, which game you're talking about? Oh, the football game. You know? <laughs> that old dad game. Uh, yeah, it was a cool now. game uh, there. That's enough guy talk. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Get Ryan in here quick. Where's Ryan? Uh, don't yeah, know. don't ask me about sports. I watch it. I don't know much about it. Yeah. But about one child I do know about because I had the opportunity back in early November to go down to Honduras as uh, part of a group of us from University of Northwestern, Northwestern Media. And, you know, you you wonder, what are you going to see down there? Because, okay, if you follow the news like I do, you hear about these caravans coming from Central America. And the, the thing that got me is, why are people doing that? Why are they risking so much? I found out it's hard mm. there. Mm-hmm. Broken families, broken country, uh, you have a government that is one of the most corrupt in the world, you have the gang issues, so much going against it. And yet, in the middle of all that are some brave men and women, churches that are running these hope centers that basically love up on kids who are in poverty, who basically nobody's telling them, ah, you, you won't amount to anything. And they're saying, hey, you're made in the image of God. Beautiful. You're a child of God. Yeah. You are important. And they're getting a sandwich, maybe a little bit of medicine, maybe some encouragement, maybe a little oh, bit of Oh, more food. than a little. Maybe a little more food to bring home for the family. Exactly. This is powerful. Mm-hmm. This That's is very powerful. powerful. Actually, it was interesting. If I remember right, his name is David Garcia. He's the, uh, the director in Honduras, and he laid it out for us. We were sitting with him, and he said, you know, it's a four-pronged approach we have here in Honduras. And it's, this is true for all of them. Yes, we provide for the physical needs, the things such as the food. They need that, need food help. Mm-hmm. They also need medical help, not just, well, health help, because it's not only medical. Yeah, hygiene, all kinds hygiene, of stuff. Hygiene, mm-hmm. it's psychological, you know, it's emotional health, yeah. mental health issues. Yes, they help out with the education. I got to see these kids in going into these classrooms, as, as you wish, and they're teaching them things, how to mm-hmm. read, how to do all sorts of things, teaching them practical crafts too and skills doing that as well but david garcia said yeah you can do those three things the hell the food the health the education that's all good Mm -hmm. guess what you're doing if you just do that you're making a bunch of uh very healthy well-adjusted educated gang members Hmm. because that's what they have exposure to there isn't it exactly yeah all of a sudden you're having the spiritual aspect Mm -hmm. the gospel being preached to them Letting them know, yes, you are created in the image of God. You can, 
you are called to better things. Mm -hmm. And these kids aspire to better things. I met some graduates down there who are in school. They're going to university. They have big plans, whether it be, you know, going going into medicine or something important, lawyers or such, to help out people. They they take it seriously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, So, Paul, how do we encourage people to say yes to this? Go to MyFaithRadio.com and hit on this One Child Sponsor Yeah, Sponsor One Child. They can do that. And you can go and you can look over the names and these beautiful children who are available to you can be become a child champion, right? And you can help them uh, through their their uh, their year. And you might spend the first two months trying to learn how to pronounce their name correctly. <laughs> I'm <laughs> looking right now. I'm looking right now at the at the page, yeah. and there are so many beautiful children here, gorgeous. Yep. boys mm-hmm. and girls alike. What, what's striking me, Paul and Bill, is that there's so many of these kids that are in between the uh, 10 and 11-year-old, you know, range, 10 to 13. And I'm thinking, raising my own two boys, how influential those years are in a child's life, that they could have a place to go to learn about Christ. You Really, they're forming so much of their identity in those ages. And it's also the time of life where there could be a little rebellion, a little, you know, a little kickback. And so to have food and shelter and the gospel, wow. Actually, you just sit on something, Rosie, hmm. because the first night we were in Honduras, we were meeting with some of the people from One Child, one of them who is, I dearly love, um, Ava Garcia, uh, I'm having a hard time with her last name, but well, Ava's you're, you're in your 17th hour of yeah. today, Yeah, Paul. that's true. <laughs> that's true. You've been Guerrero. here since 4 a.m. Eva Guerrero. And we asked her, what is the biggest need of these kids? Hmm. Identity. It is. Oh, it is a big thing. I mean, it's a, it's true here in America because we struggle with identity and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. But in Honduras, it's different mm-hmm. because much of your identity is still tied up into your family. Mm-hmm. But what happens if the family is broken? What happens if you don't know your dad? You don't know your family's history, their legacy. Right. You feel nowhere. You just kind of you're you're there, but mm-hmm. you're you're nobody. And all of a sudden you're saying, yes, you are somebody. Okay, your family may be broken, but again, you are made in the image of God. God loves you. He died. His son came and died for you to save you. You can have something bigger. You can have his family and the kingdom that he's building. And these kids grab onto it. Oh, well, and Paul, what you just said, is you were talking about Honduras. Mm -hmm. But truly, it is our identity is what we all struggle with. If we knew... You know, I always, um, I picked up this phrase from somebody and I'm not sure who it was, so don't give me credit. You know, Jesus knows who we are. The enemy knows who we are. We're the only ones that are confused. So it's not just a childhood issue. It's an adult issue too. And I'm looking at these page, these children on the MyFaithRadio.com website and it's Cambodia, it's Kenya, it's India, it's Bangladesh, it's Honduras. Philippines, Philippines, you name it. 14 different countries mm-hmm. across the world. And wow, you know, to, the opportunity to speak into someone's life and help be the arms and the feet and the heart of Jesus and introduce them to their real identity. Mm-hmm. What a gift. What an opportunity. And these kids are not in the garden spots of the world. They're in some of the hardest places mm-hmm. to live. And yet <laughs> the, the the thing that really I, I really enjoy is the fact that these are when you're sponsoring a child, you're helping out a local church-run mm-hmm. Hope Center. These are people on the ground. They know their community. They know the needs. They customize 
culturally as well as what the needs call for for their community to help these kids thrive, to grow, and to know that they are loved by God and that they can go forth from there mm-hmm. to help transform their nation and right. the world. And, you know, I, I know I going through that page, there's a lot of kids there, and maybe you're going, I can't help all of them. Mm-mm. No, we're asking you to help one. One. One child. It's kind of, I don't know if you've heard the, I heard a pastor say this because there was a storm one time that uh, grabbed a bunch of, uh, and along the ocean, grabbed a whole school of fish and threw them up onto the shore. Mm-hmm. And they're all flapping out there, gasping. And one guy goes down there and picks up a fish and throws it and picks up a fish and throws it and picks up a fish and throws it. There's thousands of fish there. And somebody up on the bluff yells, that's kind of worthless. Why are you doing that? That's not helping anything. Look at all those fish. You can't help them all. Grabs another one, throws it in. Help that one. <laughs> help that one. Right. I'm asking you to help one fish, right? Uh, one, one child. Right. One child to thrive. Mm-hmm. You can do that right now. Uh, again, I, we, I've been babbling. I, there's a number you can call. It's 800 864 if you'd rather call in. Or you can go to MyFaithRadio.com and click on the link that says Sponsor One Child. Bill. Do you remember, have you ever gone on this page? Uh, Gary and I have been blessed to sponsor many children over our life. We always pick two because we have two boys. Mm -hmm. And so it was so funny how we would, you know, how God would introduce a child into our family to, um, to champion. And so it could be a birthday. It could be a smile. It could be the fact that maybe you're raising all boys and you would like to take care of a girl or vice versa. (laughs) That was our case. Yeah, Yeah, right. Jessica and I, we have plenty of boys I have one girl, and it's like, you know, we have enough testosterone around. Yeah, uh, yeah we wanted to do a, a young lady, which is Maylin in Honduras. We would just ask the Holy Spirit, you know, yep. make this connection for us. Who on this page or, you know, we didn't have MyFaithRadio.com opportunity, but, you know, who in this group of kids when we would be looking for children to champion, who who would God have for us to take care of? And boy, kids jump out. Mm-hmm. They jump out like the Holy Spirit has somebody for you to champion and to, you know, be the answer of that child's prayer. Mm-hmm. And you talk about changing a kid's life, but I promise they'll probably change your life. <laughs> yeah. Because you will communicate hope. with them. They will mm-hmm. send you handwritten letters. It's a wonderful opportunity for you to be a child champion and be transforming in the life of a young person living in extreme poverty so when a child enters one of these hope centers, this is kind of how one child works. There's 300 of these hope centers, and they're all connected to a local church in areas where there is extreme poverty, and the hope center is committed to serving these kids. And the sponsored kids are going to be surrounded by people who love and care for them and want to help them to be empowered to know there is hope, to know that there's a God who loves them. And they're going to start to hear things that they've never heard before the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you are in a place where you're being led to say, yes, I'm all on board. I can sponsor um, a child and be a, a child champion. We would love for you to go to myfaithradio.com and you can hit the one child link or you can call 800-864-0200. We're going to keep talking about this throughout the hour uh, and the next hour. I think I'm going to have one of the directors from One Child coming up in the next hour, but we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, we're going to continue with Guy Talk. I think the power panel will be largely in place, uh, God willing. And then when we come back, 
Uh, we'll take your questions. Let me know what they are. 877-933-2484. Paul Perot, thank you so much for being here. And you, Rosie, as well, you're here. You're welcome. You're always here. So You're welcome. <laughs> I got to talk on Guy Talk. It's kind of fun. I know. Yeah. Coming up next, Guy Talk. Rosie, I don't know what song this is. You hit the doesn't, wrong button. Doesn't that was like, doesn't sound like guy talk. <laughs> that wasn't guy talk. I hit the wrong button. Yeah, but <laughs> so today, sorry. Today and tomorrow, we've got this very exciting initiative. It's called One Child, and it's a ministry serving kids, bringing hope to hard places. You know, places like Cambodia, India, Lebanon, Kenya, Haiti, Honduras, and they're in the middle of some of the hardest, most difficult spots of the world. These are just innocent little children. Little boys and girls, they didn't choose where they were born. They didn't choose to be poor, but they need hope. And just like you need hope, um, remember when you were in a hard place in your life? I know you do. You might be in one right now. You needed hope, and hope made all the difference. Maybe you found hope from a friend or your mom or dad or maybe a person in your church or maybe some answer on Guy Talk. Who knows? Maybe there was even a youth pastor who saw something in you, and they said something to you that gave you hope. And that can be what happens every single day to thousands of kids in the One Child Hope Center. So if it is on your heart to say yes and your family can say, yeah, we'll do it. We'll sponsor. We'll be a child champion. You can go to MyFaithRadio.com and hit the One Child Sponsor button. You can look over all these beautiful kids and say, here's a little boy that's 11 or this little girl that's 12. And uh, this is just the perfect person for me to sponsor. So there you go. Uh, you can go to MyFaithRadio.com or you can call 800-864-0200. We're going to continue to talk about this throughout the hour and uh, next hour as well. But in the meantime, we're going to continue with uh, a little guy talk because the power panel is here. Pastors Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, and Peter Capster are all with me right now. Gentlemen, welcome. Good to be here, Bill. Yeah. Good yeah. to be here. Yeah. So, oh, so your thoughts on, on this One Child initiative, how wonderful it is that we have an opportunity to share our resources with kids in extreme poverty in some of the most dire places in the world. Absolutely necessary, and it is a reflection of the reality of Jesus. I think what it's always bothered me in Christianity is that we, we talk well about the gospel, but actually doing it is another matter. And this is really doing it, and it'll make a huge difference. My dad was an orphan at age nine, and he lost his uh, virtually his whole family. His brothers and sisters were split up. Mom and dad were killed in a car train wreck. Until he died at age 86, Bill, I still saw the emptiness in him. I still saw the hurt in him. I still saw the loneliness because he wound up with aunts and uncles that could have cared less. There just was a $5,000 life insurance policy in 1931, which was a lot of money. He needed exactly what you're doing here, Mm -hmm. exactly what we're trying to do. And so I'm glad that uh, the station's involved and we're involved in this process. Peter, you have young kids, you know, and the sponsor is 39 a month. Have you ever thought about sending your kids to Haiti and then sending them 39 bucks a month? Yeah, boy, you know, Bill, when you put it in that stark of terms, right? right I mean, right. that's that. that I, I was sitting here thinking, that, oh, actually, no, I have not thought about that. Uh, of course, you <laughs> but, haven't. 
But but uh, to your point, I think um, you said it really well in the opener just there. They, they didn't choose to be born into this particular no. kind of situation. And, and I think among the, the struggles, but also the <clears throat> invitations of our time, especially for people in kingdom life, is to become people of empathy who... We'll, we'll take a second to go beyond the theology of life and, and understandings of the kingdom and just imagine, just with for five minutes, imagine what life would be like if you literally don't know where you're going to get water for that day. I mean, there, there's plenty of stories in the countries that you listed off um, at the beginning of this in which people, that is their day. That's they, their day. They will get up and they'll have to walk three hours one direction to try to find what hopefully is not just enough water, but water that has not been contaminated on some level, and then get it back home again. And mm-hmm. so... I, you know, when it's more than just pictures on websites, and, and we need to have the pictures and the websites, but then to, to go to the website that you invited us to go to, and then just say, all right, I'm going to imagine myself in that circumstance to the best that we can uh, do that, it, it changes the equation a little bit. And th- that really is one of the great ways we can shine light in this time of, uh, in, the, in the age of the earth, as it were, is to become people of empathy who really do see how other people are struggling. Mm-hmm. Tom, I know you've got a, uh, Tom Brock, I know you have a passion for helping uh, kids in this kind of situation as well. Yes, I just feel that, you know, a prayer I pray uh, for myself is, Lord, help me be a joyous, generous giver. And I think the bottom line for a Christian life often is, what do we do with our money? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think somebody said that if I could look at somebody's checkbook, that will show me if they really mean business with Christ. So I encourage our listeners, too, to pray about it and be a joyous, generous giver. Mm-hmm. So when I had uh, Jim Wallace on my show, I don't know, it was probably about four months ago, he was talking about at the, the root of all of life's problems is money, sex, or power. And it mm-hmm. certainly seems when you think of Romans 8.13 that we should work at killing the sin, our indwelling sin spirit in us. How do you guys go about doing that on an d- everyday basis? Mm-hmm. That's a loaded question. Good luck. Who wants to go? I'm going <laughs> to, I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think we need to understand who's able to do that within us. And um, and I was just getting out of class about an hour and a half ago, Bill, and, and we talked about what tends to be um, a pattern that we understandably enter into in our lives. And, and what I mean by that is, we, we may not be doing as well as we want to be doing in our faith by whatever metrics we, we decide. Maybe it's not reading the Bible enough. Maybe it's not treating people well, or maybe we're, we're lying and we don't really mean to lie, but we kind of are. I mean, there's a number of metrics by which we could say, yeah, I'm not really doing what I want to be doing in faith. But then I think what happens is then we go and we, we make a commitment or a recommitment. We say, you know what? tomorrow's going to be better. I'm going to get up at six o'clock and I'm going to start the day in the word and, and do those things. Right. And I'm, I'm not going to maybe lie in my business or I'm going to treat my kids a little bit better. We, we kind of just go through this process of dedication, rededication. And I think if we're not careful, we are not actually engaged with what provides the kind of redemptive sin breaking power in our lives. And that is not our ability and our effort. Uh, if, if we could break that power of sin in our lives, then Jesus would not have had to come and do the work that he did by going into the waters of sin and death and busting out the other side and the empty tomb and the resurrection life and all of that. So with that as backstory for my own struggles and my own sin in my life, 
I have to go with humility to the one that can actually break its power and then begin to reshape my very heart and reshape that my attitudes and my dispositions and, and all of that. If you're not engaged with if you're only engaged with the theological God that you shout out about all the time, as opposed to an actual God who intersects with our lives and can help us break the power of all of that, then we're going to be living a pretty fruitless life at the end of the day. So we talked about it at length, actually, in my class today about what it means to engage with the power of the Spirit that sets us free from the law of sin and death in an ongoing way. Great answer, Peter Kapsner. Thank you so much for that. That was great wisdom there. Yep. In my life, it's two things, pain and thankfulness. Pain, because it's like I'm at the top of his steps, and it's like there I get this great theological answer from the Lord about being generous. Too much is given, much is required. I don't pay attention, and so I stumble, and I fall, and I bang up my knees, and I hear it again, and I stumble, and I fall again. How many times do I need to get hurt until I finally say, enough, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I want to change. I want to be like you. And when that change comes, as it always does, I mean, he brings those circumstances into our life to wake us up. For the Christian, the struggle is then, how thankful am I for what he's done for me to be generous to others? And major transitions that have taken place in my life with money, with listening to people, with being patient, even with my enemies, comes out of that, unfortunately, the pain and the thankfulness. And I'm trying to get more into the thankfulness and less into the pain, but I'm learning. I like it. Thanks, Tom Parrish. Tom Brock? Yeah, um, your question made me think of Martin Luther's quote from 500 years ago, which mm-hmm. was, what is the daily significance of baptism? Mm. That daily our old Adam must be drowned with all of its lusts and desires, and a new person come forth in newness of life. And we have to daily fight our flesh, daily fight the old Adam. I remember one professor said, you know, quoting Romans 6, we know our old Adam was drowned in baptism but we learned he's a pretty good swimmer. So daily I have to to take the hammer and just bang that flesh on the head. And I have learned the best way I can uh, battle my sin is accountability. And I have learned the more accountable I am, the holier I am. Mm. So if I've got uh, people in my life who are, really knowing who I am, holding me accountable, my feet to the fire, that tends to clean me up. If nobody knows about my struggle and I'm struggling with my sin all by myself, it's so easy to go back to it because, hey, nobody knows about it anyway. So I just, you know, James 5, uh, confess your sins to one another and you'll be healed. So I like that. Tom, I think you've hit the nail on the head. We have an independent spirit, and we think we can handle things. We need one another. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, this is your moment. If you are thinking about or being willing to sponsor a child on One Child, now would be a great day to become a child champion for One Child. Take this moment and do it. You can claim the moment, nobody else but you and the Lord, to say, yes, I want to go to MyFaithRadio.com and hit the One Child Sponsor button and look over these beautiful kids and say yes to uh, becoming a child champion. There is a God that loves them, and they need to start hearing things that will give them hope. And we can do that collectively if we all say yes. So go to MyFaithRadio.com. You can also call 800-864-0200. Lots more Guy Talk coming up. 
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Welcome back to Guy Talk, or Guys Who Talk. You can always send questions over. We'd love to hear what questions you would like me to ask. 877-933-2484. Today and tomorrow, though, we're really uh, very excited about one child, and we would encourage you to have the same excitement level. Here's a note from one of the people, one of the children that are a graduate of one child. His name is Sam. I graduated from one child in Cambodia. When I was 10, my mother committed suicide, and within Mm. a year, my father was killed. So that all happened within one year. I loved my parents. So it was five kids with no place to go and no hope at all. And that's when he found himself getting sponsored and then ended up at Hope Center, and his life changed. It's a beautiful thing. So if you're willing to uh, step up and say, yes, I will be a child champion, head to MyFaithRadio.com. You can look at the beautiful kids that are there. You can find a kid that you are drawn to or the Lord leads you to sponsor and then say, yeah, I'll sponsor a child. I'd love to do that. $39 a month. I hope you can make that possible in your world um, and pray about it. That'd be great. All right. Here's a question uh, to the panel, the power panel, which is Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, and Peter Kapsner. Uh Please tell me why, oh my gosh, is not bleeped off the air on Faith Radio. Nearly every afternoon now, I'm hearing someone who is being interviewed saying, oh my gosh, and I just can't take it anymore. We all know what that means. Please discuss on Guy Talk. I think I, there's probably a variety of ways that we could talk about that, and and I totally respect people's different opinions with that. I, I think um, when you look at the the biblical Hebrew community, um, they out of uh, a desire to maintain the sacredness of God, they would never spell out the name of God. They would substitute it or take out some letters, and uh, and they um, they they uh, communicated their reverence for God in that kind of way. And and I think you can take one side of this question, which says that, well, what I really want to say is X, but what I'm going to say, so I'm socially acceptable, is Y, but what's going on in my heart is X, and I really want to defame God's name, and I really want to take it in vain and all those sorts of things, but I'm not going to because maybe I'm scared or I don't want to get yelled at or whatever it is, but that's what I really mean. But I think you can equally, Bill, say that exact same phrase because you're doing it out of place of reverence. You're, you're, you're not trying to—it's um, like the, phrase, the, the word darn. It just applies that way. We actually talked about this very thing in class again today. Um, Christianity is a matter of the heart, and from the heart is it, it, those, those attitudes and dispositions and desires, they flow out into our public behavior whether we want them to or not. We can keep them squashed down for a little while, but they're going to flow out. And, uh, and I think that you can easily say these phrases because you're doing it out of reverence as opposed to, oh, this is what I really want to mean. So I sympathize with both sides of the argument, but, uh, but when we're so focused on that part of the equation, I think we're missing the deeper invitation in the kingdom. Now, that's just my perspective, and I'm sure I am going, uh, you know, all the emails can go to bill at myfaithradio.com <laughs> yeah. uh, related to that. And, and I do respect it. I completely get it. But I think that we need to think about um, what we're thinking about related to that a little bit. So you know, Peter, that's my perspective. Yeah, before I let you loose here and turn it over to Tom sure. and Tom, I do want you to say a little bit more. So if you are having a conversation with this listener face-to-face, you would say what to, to him? 
Yeah, I would I would say that this is a matter. You know, why why does somebody saying, "Oh my gosh, I really do believe that you could say it from the perspective of you're maintaining the sanctity of not using the Lord's name in vain," mm-hmm. and I think you could be saying it because you really mean something different, but you're you're scared to say it that way, so you're trying to keep yourself socially acceptable. And and I think it's either way. I don't I don't think you can judge um, which way that might be, and I don't think there's a hard and fast rule to make about it either. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, Tom. Tom or Tom. I'm down to two toms. Go, Tom. Which which well, Tom? You know, I I uh, I don't I don't say uh, oh my gosh I don't even say darn anymore. I I used it in the sermon when I was a young preacher, and an old pastor said, you know, just that's probably not best. And not so uh, regarding the the viewer's concern. Uh, I, you know, I understand what Peter's saying. I personally stay away from it because it can sound so much like oh my god that. People think that's what you said. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 is somebody sinning by saying, oh, my gosh? I don't think I'd go that far. But seg- segueing back to why they should give your group money, Bill. <laughs> you know, the I'm sure you guys vet this one-child campaign, so that's where people should give money. What drives me crazy, and I, I won't name them, but there's two very famous prosperity preachers, in their sermons, they'll say, oh, my God, and it just drives me crazy. And these are the people, uh, these are are preachers of the gospel, kind of. It's the prosperity gospel, which isn't the gospel. But then these are the guys that want you to give money so they can buy a jet. Uh, And they're saying, oh, my God, in the middle of their sermons. And it's not reverence, like they're praying. It's just like an exclamation. So, I, I I hear your your caller, and I I stay away from mm-hmm. oh my gosh, yeah. But I, I wouldn't get too concerned about it. It's the oh my god that really bugs me. Yeah, I'm cringing. Yeah. You even saying that in discussion, yeah, Tom me too. Rock. Yeah, so let's let's knock it off. All right. Uh, well, I'm just you know I think your point's well taken. I mean, can you say, oh my goodness, and is that is that a similar profane? profanity of some kind mm, is yeah. that it depends or, on the motivation or, of your heart or golly that's yeah. great i mean, I mean some is of us that grew an up, appropriate expression yeah. some of us grew up with this language back when i was growing up as a kid it was just normal oh totally trying to get that out of your system is something i think that most of us that mature in christ want to do mm-hmm. sometimes though under stress or stupidity which i've had plenty of in my life these things may slip out and you don't mean them that way and when i can catch it I usually repent and apologize for it. Mm-hmm. But I think that the basic thing here is when I hear people, Christian people, use that language, I recognize they have a need in their life, and there's something maybe deeper that they need to be dealing with. And I tried, I used to be incredibly critical. I'm not that critical anymore, although like Tom, I don't like when I hear these big-name preachers using oh, no. inappropriate yeah, language. Right. But I pray for them. And to really stop and pray for them and say, I don't know what's going on in his heart. I don't know why she talks this way. I don't mm-hmm. know what to say, but there's a problem there. And Lord, only you can reveal it. And for me, that's how I help. That's how people have helped me extinguish some of these things in my life, in my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just to keep tagging on to some of this, and Bill, you brought up a good example about, you know, does golly fit into it? Does goodness fit into it? And how do we understand that? And and maybe let's just make an entirely different word choice and, and use this as an example to, to wonder about. But let, let's use rats instead. I mean, rats was one that I would have grown up with. <laughs> and, and, uh, and is it possible that someone could say, gosh, 
and be just genuinely surprised and tickled down to their toes. And somebody has shown up with a pie at their doorstep. Like I would love for that to happen. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I'm just filled with love and joy and delight. And gosh shares two letters, uh, in all of that, you know, but, but it's coming from a place of just genuine delight. But if somebody comes to the door and maybe the ma- like our mailman was late last night. I think everybody's mailman is late, and, and right now it's it's just a tough time. And he was so apologetic when he came to the door. And I was like, dude, you've got such a difficult job. I can't even imagine. Thanks for bringing the mail to the door instead of leaving it in the mailbox. But I have looked at him and said, rats, in, in a really angry, like just demeaning, diminishing kind of tone. Now, I used R-A-T-S instead of G-O-S-H. And in one way, my language was communicating this beautiful open heart posture um, towards this person for bringing this pie. In the other way, I'm angry and I'm mad and I might want to say some horrible language, but I'm not gonna because I'm a Christian. And so I say rats. But in my heart, I am so angry at the mailman. <laughs> now, you tell me which one of those scenarios is going to be more consistent with the kingdom. And, and you can answer that question a variety of ways, but I think that's the level of what we're talking about when it comes to kingdom life. When, when you read the words of Jesus and what he's inviting us into, it's always a posture of the heart. Uh, and we get so hung up on this external stuff that, and, and, and being the gatekeepers of all of these sort of external behaviors that I think we've just completely so often lost the art of, but what's going on in, in a person's heart related to these things? So I think we could at least wonder about that. I think rats could be way worse than gosh, depending on the posture of the heart. Mm-hmm. And in the 60s, was was Gomer swearing on Andy Griffith's show when he'd say, golly. <laughs> right. That's a great example. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one habit I've gotten into in the last 10 years or so, when I hear someone, when I'm out and about and I hear somebody say, OMG, I stop and I pray for them. No, good for you. Sure. And, and you know, just, and that means you're praying a lot, <laughs> but because that is such a common expression, yeah. mm-hmm. but it, yep. it's a good thing to do. Tom earlier said you, you pray for these people. Yeah. Great, great uh, email came in to me from uh, Lucille. She said, I was taught that my gosh is a minced oath. Same for heck, darn, golly, etc." Hmm. So there you go. All right, I think we can move on. There's an interesting question, and it revol- involves our favorite book or sermon. Do you have one that you find yourself kind of going back to time and time again? If you wanna, you're not sure what to listen to, do you have a favorite sermon you like to reflect in your mind or listen to again, or do you have a, a particularly favorite uh, book that you go to that you read every year? I go back to Mere Christianity. Okay. I have used... The quote from C.S. Lewis about uh, the other professors saying that, you know, they accept Jesus' claim to be, you know, a great teacher, but they can't accept his claim to be God. And Lewis says, that's the one thing we must not say. And there's such a great quote. I've learned, I use that at every funeral I do. I quote that at every single funeral. And I've had more people, Bill, come up to me after the funeral and say, I've never heard it put that way before. That spoke to my heart. Because we have a tendency to... uh, not think deeply about these things. And Lewis was one who did that. And I mentioned earlier, John fifteen sixteen. you did not choose me, but I chose you. I go back and I, I say that verse over and over. I would say, honestly, several times a week, and I need to hear it. I say it out loud. I need to be reminded who I belong to and why I belong to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Professor? Is that me? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I use that term loosely. Island, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very loosely, as you should. 
Uh, I think there's a, probably a series uh, of what I would call uh, trusted authors or reliable authors. Um, I think Mere Christianity, what you just referenced, Parrish, is, is a, a real, um, just a significant text for a lot of people, and understandably so. I, I lean into Dallas Willard and N.T. Wright mm-hmm. quite a bit as some contemporary writers. Um, I'm going to look backwards into some of the early church writers from time to time. Um, and just so many sermons. I, I literally was sitting here not knowing what to pick. I think two things that I would return to, one from a sermon and one uh, just an, an actual chapter in the biblical text. And a life-changing sermon, it was a series of sermons given on the Beatitudes uh, by a pastor by the name of Dave Johnson at Church of the Open Door. And, and he gave these sermons initially in the late 1980s, I believe, maybe mid-1980s. And it fundamentally upended my understanding and my picture of God in some really important biblical kinds of ways. And among them was the first beatitude is that if you want to have access to God's kingdom, um, it specifically says, blessed or happy are those that are poor in spirit. And uh, and literally that means happy are those who know they don't have what it takes. Um, because when, when you enter into that posture of humility, and you realize, not not in a wink and a nod, passing by sort of way, but when you realize you just really don't have the capacity to deal with the darkness and the sin and the, and the power that's at work in this world, um, then you, you begin to bend your knee and you begin to surrender and trust. And it's really those people who begin to walk in kingdom life. And, and frankly, I've run into a lot of religious elites over the years, the people with the fancy letters, maybe big titles, charismatic speakers, um, a lot of people that from the outside would look like they were, were walking in kingdom life, um, but but they tend to be uh, hollowed out a bit on the inside. And, and a lot of my students, unfortunately, are that way as they've been under that teaching. And, and I think the only pathway to true, authentic kingdom life that, that brings an internal sense of hope and joy is really that to the extent that you want to walk in brokenness and humility is the extent to which you'll begin to experience kingdom power. So I've returned to that a ton. Uh, briefly, one thing, just the last chapter in, in our biblical text, Revelation, giving such a picture mm-hmm. of the city of light that awaits and, and the river of life or the river of Zoe that flows from the Lamb and from the throne. And, and we won't have need for light because the, the Lamb will be our light and, and his name will be written on our foreheads. And like all of that, when you know where you're headed in, in the forthcoming reconciliation of the returning of the King, it gives perspective to what you're doing then in this life. When you know that that's going to be the outcome, it can help shape the decisions that you have uh, to move forward in this life. So I would say that that humility and know where you're headed and what the end of the story is, I think is really helpful. And then when we come back from break, I do want to hear what Tom Brock's favorite sermon is or book that he goes to regularly. But we're going to um, ask you now, if you've not uh, stepped up and said yes to sponsoring a child, please think, pray about it, do it. We'd love for you to say yes to the One Child Initiative. You can become a child champion for a child, $39 a month. And if you are wondering why you should sponsor a child, it really, because the Bible is full of verses, that it's really quite apparent that that's the heart of God, is to love all people and to care for those who are way less fortunate. And let's help the world. Let's start to think about the world and the extreme poverty, because it can be overwhelming. But one step, one child will make a difference. You can go to MyFaithRadio.com and click on the link, and you can look over all these beautiful kids that are there. Or you can also call 800-864-0200. When we come back, we're going to hear what Tom Brock's favorite sermon or book is. I can't wait.
All right, we're back. Did you give us some more thought about one child? I'm just going to keep at it for today and tomorrow because I want to let you know you can make a big difference in someone's life. And if you go to one child and uh, you can go to myfaithradio.com, click on the one child link and just look these kids over and, and pray what God might have you do. I think you will see a beautiful child that you're, you're just going to look at that child and go, mm, yep, I want to, I want to sponsor that child. And it's pretty, pretty sweet deal. Pretty nice deal. Transforming. So, uh, let's get back to Guy Talk, and the question we had was, do you have a particular sermon that you return to maybe every year and listen to, or a particular book that you go and reread every year, something that just sort of fills you and keeps your tank uh, to the top? Tom Brock, do you have an answer for that? Well, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that reads a book cover to cover, and I mean, I rarely do that, and I'm kind of type A and antsy. A daily devotional book where I read one page a day, that I can handle. <laughs> and so here's what I go back to. I mean, I, I've got a few daily devotional books, one of which is My Utmost for His Highest. Great, great but honestly, I, mm-hmm. well, it, it is. I just don't understand most of what he's saying, so I rarely go there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it back, you know. All right. So, But the ones I really like is one that a viewer of mine sent me as a gift. It's called Voices from the Past, Puritan Devotional Readings. And these are people from like the uh, 1700s in Puritan America, some of these great preachers like Jonathan Edwards, and they just take a a page of their writings, and so you get a different uh, author or or subject daily. It's really good. And and another one I like is called... don't. Daily readings from Luther's writings, and again, it's a page-by-page thing where uh, just different uh, uh, quotes from different works of of Luther. So uh, those are two. And then there's one another lady gave me. O. Hallisby was a Norwegian professor who was very evangelical in liberal Norway many years ago, and he uh, stood for the faith and just has and I can't remember that it, um, it's O Hallisby, O period Hallisby, mm-hmm. and it's a great daily devotional reading. So those three, the Puritans, Luther, uh, O Hallisby is what I, I go to um, uh, for daily readings. Thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for your vulnerability on Oswald Chambers, uh, because he is yeah. not a, he is not an easy read. I don't, I can read it two or three times and still say, huh? Yeah. All right. And, Bill, I can't tell you the number of books I've read over the years where I had to have Google open next to me and just be like Googling that word and that <laughs> word and that word because I just have no idea. And then and you finish a page and think, yeah, that was about 11% of that page I think I understood. Yeah, I'm oh, good. I feel better. All right, here's a C.S. Lewis question. I heard that to understand the book Mere Christianity, it helps to read the second book of the Narnia book series, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Do you agree? Yeah. It's all coming from— I, I do. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Peter. No, I was just, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think so much of, of his main points theologically are embedded in that Narnia series, not just for The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That That's the most well-known. But as I read through them with uh, my kids a few years ago, and now my wife is reading through them again with my youngest kid, I, you, you get into things like Horse and the Boy and, and Magician's Nephew and The Last Battle, and I just marvel. I, I, I read through and I think, holy cow, I can't believe what is under 
underpinning what he's talking about in the story. And it's I mean, you could read um, the transformation of Eustace uh, from dragon back to boy a thousand times in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader and have a really good idea of what it means to be transformed from from sin to life. And it's it's painful and difficult. And yet it is this amazing way in which he talks about it. So for sure, the Narnia, the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Rojo, but I would recommend all of them. And I think a person could read those about every three years or so and really benefit. Mm-hmm. You know, it all flows from one mind. You guys know I'm an author, so I've written three books. Two are deep theological books. One, though, is a children's book. It's a, it's a novel. It's a kind of a fantasy, but it's biblical and it's Christ-centered. And the characters in that book reflect what's in the other books. I didn't mean for it to be that way. It just becomes normal writing. And so when I read C.S. Lewis and The Lion, the Witch, and the World Robe and all of those things, I can hear him through all of those basically saying the same thing over and over and over, just putting it in different venues. Thank you for that. Good comments. All right. Isaiah 5, verses 20 to 21. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. It kind of sounds like today. <laughs> and the Bible being the, the, you know, the book where can a believer today, how do they not fall into the trap of agreeing with the culture when the culture is calling evil good and good evil? Tom Parrish, I'm going to make you go first. I'm happy to go first on this one. Yeah. This, this text in Isaiah, it could have been written yesterday. It fits our culture. What I've had to do, and this is the way I've gotten around this, is that when I read something like that and then I look at our culture and it's easy to get depressed or it's easy then to to uh, stray off the task, I have to keep going back to the Bible and over and over and over see what Jesus says, see what the New Testament says, see what the Bible says about like forgiveness, about love, about sacrifice. And I have a tendency to want to write things on the wall. So I have, a, I have charts. I actually write things up there where I begin to see a picture emerge. And the Bible has many, many pictures on these topics. And so I I encourage you, look at many, many passages and try to tie them together, and you see one message coming through. Mm -hmm. Peter? Yeah, no, couldn't agree more, Tom. I just think, and and I think not only returning to the Scriptures, um, but then also letting the Scriptures be the Scriptures. I think so often... We come with our preconceived ideas. I know I'm guilty of it, where where I come with my ideas about what kingdom life is about, and then I read those ideas into the text, and I then only kind of stay within ideas that I think the biblical text is telling me, and I feel comfortable in those. But um, to really become a student in the kingdom through the lens of, of using the scriptures, and, and there's lots of different ways in which we we work out our discipleship, the scriptures being a primary one among them. But if you really want to become a student, then the practice of intellectual honesty and humility, meaning that there's probably all kinds of things I don't understand really matter. So uh, just a quick example um, is that in 1 John, when it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. But if you do not love, you don't actually know God. Like, if if you just let that scripture be the scripture— and, and take it at face value and then investigate what biblical love is and what the origin of it is and, and the wild claim that passage is making that if you have not been inhabited yourself by the love of God and if you are incapable uh, of loving other people through the supernatural empowerment of God, then you don't actually know God. That's like a gigantic statement that w- that could reshape entire Christian communities if they would let it. And so I think, to your point, Parrish, we need to go to the Scripture 
uh, to inform our thinking, but then we actually have to let Scripture inform our thinking yes. uh, versus, you know, other forms of it. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to keep Guide Talk happening in the next hour, so we would love for you to stick around, and we'd also ask you now to send your questions over to 877-933-2484, but today and tomorrow, we're very excited about One Child. It's a ministry serving children and bringing hope to very hard places so you can be a child champion to a child in extreme poverty. There's over 15 countries that one child is working in right now, and they're doing a terrific job of giving hope to kids where hope is not a common word. When that child finds out that they have a sponsor, their faces light up. And we're not just talking about you you know, putting it on a credit card where it comes out every month just like a bill. We're encouraging you to know that this is going to be a relational thing. It is, of course, a financial investment of $39 a month, but it's a relationship that you'll be having with this child. You'll be uh, hearing from them, getting updates from them, and you'll be changing a child's life, but they'll probably be changing yours too. So that's kind of how it works. So we're going to uh, love to get your questions uh, coming in for Guide Talk. We're going to continue this after the break, but 877-933-2484 is the text line. And also, you can go to MyFaithRadio.com and check out the One Child Sponsor a Child. You just click on the button, you can look over these beautiful kids. And you can go to MyFaithRadio.com, or you can call 800-864-0200. Lots of guy talk coming up next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.